Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Divorce Dad Diaries. And I'm your host, Stéphane Jutra. This is uh, my first episode of the year, and I wanted to take just a minute uh, before we start with it to wish you all a very happy new year. I hope you all had the wonderful holidays and that you managed to spend a lot of good time with your loved ones. I know separation and divorce is not easy, and that's why I hope that 2021 brings you a lot of uh, more peace and resolution on that part. And uh, also, I hope that you will still tag along. A lot of good things are coming up with the Divorce Dad Diaries, a lot of new episodes in the queue, and a lot of interesting topics as well. So I hope to have you all here, all rested and ready for 2021. I hope everybody's doing well and staying safe. And I'm very happy to have you back for another exciting episode. This pandemic has been going for a little while now and things change even here in Canada. You know, we went through the second wave and still kind of locked down. It's been pretty busy on my side. Actually, a podcast movement 2020. It happens every year, and this year, obviously, because of the pandemic, it was a bit different from the other years. So it was virtual. So it's really one event that I always look so forward to. I've been going to the past, I think it's my fourth year this year. Every year is a different location. So I've been through California, Philadelphia, and it was in Orlando last year. And now this year was supposed to be in Dallas. But again, with the pandemic, that got canceled, and it was virtual. I wasn't too sure what to expect, but I had a fun time. Obviously, it's not the same as meeting, you know, all the fellow podcasters and being there on site and being part of the different activities, even after hours. A lot of good uh, parties there as well. But uh, nonetheless, it was it was a fun time. It was actually spread out over two weeks this year, about four days for the kind of standard ticket. So a lot of different sessions, a lot of very interesting sessions. It's always a great opportunity to learn new things and to see what's happening out there and to actually talk with other podcasters and also people in the business. So it's always very interesting. And like I said, I always learn a lot and it's always kind of motivates me a little bit to do better on a podcast and always come up with some tricks and tips and things like that. So uh, I'll be using some of those and um, yeah, it was really, really, uh, really fun. And hopefully next year can be face to face. If any of you is interested, it's open to anyone. Actually, Podcast Movement has a pretty special place in my heart for various reasons. I mean, the first one is, I think they're, they're kind of responsible for me starting this podcast. I was part of this 28-day challenge that they had about a year ago. And I registered and, you know, I decided that it was a time for me to, uh, to start my podcast. So uh, I went through the whole 28 days and all the different activities and, and steps. And after 28 days, I published my first episode that we celebrated like on October 29, which was great. It's kind of motivated me to do that. So, so that's one of the reasons. Also, another thing that happened actually last year, I've met one of my favorite uh, podcaster uh, at Podcast Movement. One of my favorite podcasts is called Ear Hustle and really great podcast about living inside uh, prison walls and uh, San Quentin. And um, I actually met the host, Erlon Wood and Nigel Poor. And they actually were the special guests last year. And after their uh, talk, I managed to catch them in a corner and went to see them and actually had a little talk with them for 
five, 10 minutes. It was amazing. Really, really, really great people. Really fun to talk to. And I even managed to get a selfie. So I was pretty happy about that, I have to say. <laughs> and again, they're doing such a great work with the podcast too. It's really amazing what they do and, and all the work they put in. So so yeah, Ear Russell. Uh, again, check it out. If you, uh, if you haven't, you'll find it pretty easily on pretty much any platform. And, and like I said, it's, it's really a great podcast. So as you know, by now, there's a lot of topics that I pick from my, my secret list, I guess the list with uh, all my ideas that I put on. So I have a list of things I'd like to talk about on the show. So that's one way that I pick my topics. And one other way is obviously talking with people, talking with uh, you all or talking with friends and family about divorce and the experience. And sometimes things come up and I'm like, hmm, that would be, I think, an interesting topic uh, for the show. So I always kind of write it down and decide to, uh, to talk about it uh, when it's the right moment. In my mind, I mean, the goal of, of all the topics that I pick is kind of inform everybody and inform you. But at the same time, I always think about if it's something that I needed when I went through my divorce and if it's something that could help people out there. So like I said, I try to get different topics or questions or different thoughts and I just put it in just to maybe, I don't know, if that could actually help anyone out there who has the same question or thoughts or anything. So that's really my goal. And I have to say, uh, I've been happy with some of the feedback. Some of you actually reached out to me just wanting to chat and, and uh, that's great. That's something I'd love to do and uh, spending some time talking about either topics of other episodes or questions or anything. Uh, like I said, I'm not a therapist though. Uh, <laughs> definitely not, but I've been through it and sometimes it's hard to find people to talk to. And I think, like I said, maybe it's a man thing, but I think maybe going to therapist and stuff's a bit harder or it's not something that we think of uh, right away. So having people around you that you can talk to and ask questions and sometimes it's just kind of just to let it out is good to do. So that's something I noticed too. And I didn't do as much as I should have throughout my journey. But uh, towards the end, there was always a couple of people that I kind of turned to and basically just empty my bag, <laughs> pour them. But they were always there supporting me. So that was great. So that's why, uh, that's always the goal of it. So for this week, what it will be, will be actually the latter. So it's not something that was planned in my list, but it's something that I, I decided to talk about because you know what, this question or topic kind of came up a couple of times and I started to think about it and I wanted to have the feedback of, of you all. So let me ask you a question. For the people that went through a divorce or even a separation, who in your past relationship is the most strict usually or the most fun parent? Even if I back up a little bit, is there always like one parent that's a fun parent and one parent that's the strict, more stricter parent? I know in, in my, during my marriage and relationship, that was, I assume, the case. And at least that's what I heard, that I was the fun, the fun parent and my ex was uh, the more strict one. And I think we started discussing about that. That's why the kids sometimes preferred talking to me or spending more time with me because I was the more fun one. And my ex was the more strict. So I guess they were sometimes not wanted to talk about certain topics with them. And I'm, I'm asking that because obviously when we went through the divorce and it came time for the kids to kind of, 
I wouldn't say decide, but discuss about the, the custody and if it would be 50-50 or if they will stay more with a parent. That was an argument that was always brought up. It's like, yeah, the kids would prefer staying with you because you're less strict and you're like the fun parent. And it always stuck to me because I like having fun, obviously. I like having fun with my kids and I always did. And I was always trying to, you know, bring them out and do a bunch of activities with them as much as I could. But at the same time, I find that sometimes it might be an excuse that is used from the other parent. Just kind of an excuse saying that maybe because they don't want to do some activities or they don't have time or anything like that, they decide maybe to label themselves as the stricter parent. So that's something that I always kind of ask myself. And even though it could be like the more fun parent, but again, I guess we have to first define what fun is. Uh, but at the same time, I think I'm pretty strict. I mean, on obviously the kids with me, like for homework, schooling, and and there's different topics of uh, different things that I'm I'm stricter, actually even stricter than my ex. So I guess I guess at the end it might be a question of I wouldn't say you know fighting the right battles. Uh, that's one thing I realized over time is there's some battles that are worth fighting and some others that I don't. And again, you can agree with that or not. And everybody has their different uh, parenting style, I guess. But uh, I know on my side, I kind of learned to pick my battles. And things that are important, I put my foot down and go with it. But some of the things are not worth the fights and everything. And you can kind of let a few little things go uh, more than, than the other. But why I'm bringing that up is because, again, it was mentioned to me many times in the past year like I said, even for me and my son is staying with me full time. And the argument for that is because I'm the easier parent and the more fun parent. So I guess my son wants to spend more time with with me and it's easier on that way. Which again, I don't think it's, well, I'm not saying it's not true. I I would hope I'm a bit fun. But at the same time, again, there's rules and there's things that have to be done here as well. So that's one thing I, I was kind of curious about. So the question is, I guess, again, depending on the answer, does it have to be, is there always a fun parent and a less fun parent? And is it usually uh, the dad versus the mom? That's the first question. And also like even before doing that, because again, if that was the case, and again, older kids can decide to go with one parent or the other, I guess at the end of the day, they would pick the more easygoing and funner parent, right? So again, since I love stats and I'm always up to digging up some numbers, I said, you know what, let me, let me try to Google that and see uh, if I can find anything on that, on that topic to see, first of all, about the parents, you know, if there's a bigger percentage of kids living with their dads versus their mom and versus like, what's the impact on that side? So the first thing I did is I did some research about the percentage of uh, kids living with their parents and which parents. I found some statistics from the U.S. Census Bureau, and it's dating just a couple of years old. It's 2017. And it seems that there is more kids living with their dads than a decade ago. So 10 years ago, it was about 12.5% of the kids that were living with their dad. And it seems that 10 years after, in 2017, it went up by almost 5%. So it was 16.1%. So what that means is, I guess a lot more kids are living with their dads than, than with their moms. And I assume that this could be explained, I guess, different ways. Up first, there's more divorce and also the mom and the dad now, I guess there's more moms working and, you know, responsibilities maybe are more shared. So at the end of the day, the kids can decide to go either way. 
like like I said in many other episodes, and even still to this day, I find that it's still very kind of biased and on on the mom side. So for custody and everything else, if you go to court or I see a lot of dads fighting more about that, but it's still the case. So, so again, I dug up a little bit and I found again from the U.S. Census uh, there was a bit more uh, numbers about that. So I found like children under eighteen living with one parent. So basically, if I look at mother only, and that's again in uh, two thousand eighteen, uh, two thousand seventeen. I'm sorry, only living with the mother. There's pretty much between 29, let's say 30% to 36% of the, of the kids live with the mother only. So we are looking at zero to about 17 years old. So the percentage is about that for the mother. And it's pretty much the same across the board. So there's three categories, zero to five years old, uh, six to 11 years old, and 12 to 17 years old. And it's pretty much the same. A bit less for the zero to five years old. Usually at that age, it seems that the custody is shared between the two parents, which would make a bit more sense. The kids are younger and and I would assume it's better for them to actually see their parents and they're kind of developing at that age. So if I look at father only though, it's kind of, it's kind of a bit, I wouldn't say strange, but it's, no, it's, I would say interesting. It's interesting to see the statistics. So Zero to five years old, it's 26% of the kids that are living with the father only, which I'm a bit surprised. It's a pretty high number, I would say. 26% that are living with the father only between zero and five years old. So it goes up to 30% between six and 11 years old, which is a little bit more. But the interesting part is if you look at the kids between 12 and 17 years old, so teenagers, they basically, for 43.1% of them, are living with their father only. That was kind of interesting, that 43.1% that the children under 18 living with one parent are living with their father only, which is a lot higher than the mother only. If I look at mother only, the statistics for that age, for teenagers, is 35%. So it's almost 10% more of the kids that decide to live with their father only. Again, doesn't say the reasons, and that's what I was trying to dig up, and that would have been interesting to see. But it just shows that it's pretty much the teenage years, I guess. As a teenager, uh, they decide to stay with the dad a bit more than, than the mom. So to be honest, I think most of the case is the dad that's labeled as the more fun parent. One of the reasons why that would be is I think usually it's probably the dad. The dad spends less time with uh, his kids for various reasons. So obviously... Spending less time with your kids, you try to use that time and maximize the fun stuff in that time. And you might put other things on the side, some chores and things like that. That would explain why often the dad might be the fun parent and the mom like the more strict one. But at the same time, I think, again, every time I hear that, and especially when it's 50-50 at the time there, I think both parents can be fun parents. I mean, it's a decision that you make, and that's always what I was saying, right? For example, maybe that comes from my dad because when I was younger, my dad was, well, would I label him as a fun dad? I mean, he was working hard and typical uh, dad at the time coming home after work. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so she was taking care of us and everything. So he was working hard, but when he was home, basically uh, he would go to sleep and that's pretty much it. Sometimes we would go out, actually often he would bring us out during the weekend to shopping malls and just, it was like, we'd just walk around there or there was place structures there that we could, would spend time there. So he would do those things, but 
but he wasn't necessarily the fun dad. And again, that was 30 years ago. <laughs> so it's been a little while. But I think nowadays, I think both parents can be the, the fun parents. It's just a matter of wanting to do it. And I that's what I noticed too, is sometimes it might be used as an excuse to not wanting to do it or to kind of prioritize other things over it. That said, there's also obviously parents, and I was maybe guilty of that too at some point, that you kind of do a lot of fun things and the important things and sometimes the chores that are less fun to do, they kind of go on the side and they don't happen. So uh, so that's a problem. And I think if there's one thing I learned and one thing I had to adapt, and I mentioned that in an interview that I had recently, yeah, as a single parent, you have to adapt and basically you have to uh, you have to be the mom and the dad at the same time, and you have to be the strict parent and the fun parent at the same time. That's the big challenge, especially if you used to be one or the other. So obviously if you used to be the strict parent and all of a sudden uh, you're a, a single parent, you can't just, just make everybody do chores all the time. That won't work. And there'll be probably a lot of conflicts about that because now all of a sudden you're missing the fun part. And the same thing, if you're the fun parent, it can't always be fun, 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 and no chores to be done because it will be free for all and nothing will get done. And <laughs> the kids might like it, but at the same time, it's not good for them and it's not good for anyone and, and becomes pretty chaotic, pretty fast. So, so one thing that I had to kind of adapt is to become that parent that is both. So I had to work more on my strict side on certain things with also keeping kind of the fun part. So we kind of have to have uh, some kind of uh, middle ground between the two. And it's not easy to do. And like I said, it's a learning experience, right? I mean, when you're not used to be the strict parent on certain things, it's hard to one day, even for the kids, right? They know you, you've lived together like their whole life. And all of a sudden it's like, what's happening? Why do you make me do this? And why do I have to do that? And And why it's not always fun and why... Why don't we eat out uh, every night of the week? Or, <laughs> which wasn't the case, but just an example. So it's something that that needs to happen because if not, it becomes harder. And it's it's hard on the dad and the mom. I'm sure on the mom side it's the same thing, but it's also tough on the kids because they kind of have to readjust and and also realize that from now on it's not always fun, and from now on it can't always be strict. So so that's an adaptation that has to be done. There's also one thing that I think you have to be careful and is to kind of go one extreme, like I mentioned before, right? And it's easy to go that way and to be all of a sudden the fun parent and what they call the Disneyland dad or mom. I'm sure there's moms as well like that. But to kind of give everything to your kid, I mean, it's it's might be easy to fall in that trap because it could have been, I mean, a divorce is something very emotional and hard on everyone. And uh, the dad, when that happens after that, is trying to kind of show that life is still okay. And sometimes, again, there's different ways of showing that. And there's some parent that will show that by giving things to their kids and just buying them things. And, and the kids obviously wouldn't say no to that. So they just keep doing a bunch of, of things that they're not usually do, but it kind of replaces or maybe the father is trying to replace maybe the gap that is there with the relationship, with the marriage not there anymore and, and the other parent not there. But it's a very dangerous thing to do because again, you can't keep that up all the time. And first of all, it's not good. And I think it just kind of hides the actual 
problem. On my side, it was sit down with the kids and talk about it and try to talk about their feelings as well, how they felt, and to kind of go more in that way. And I have a dis- an honest discussion with them too. I remember sitting down with them too, and and I still do to this day, even after years, because you know they're kids and uh, you have to tell them many, many times the same thing. But sitting down with them and just say, you know what, at this point, it's just me and you guys. So we're together in this and we have to work together. If not, it won't work. And if not, we'll always be arguing or fighting or everything. And, you know, I'll do whatever I can to help everybody out and help on all the different uh, things that need to be done. If either homework or different activities or driving everybody everywhere and, and work and all this stuff. But at the same time, I need some help. And that's where we had a discussion about that, just to make sure that we're all on the same page and that everybody contributes. And I think that's the key to success is everybody contributes. And again, sometimes it's, you know, one week might be one that uh, myself that does most of the stuff. Another week might be another kid that kind of does a bit more. So it doesn't have to be, at least on my side, I don't think it has to be like army and always like that. But I need to have the feeling that we're all contributing into this. And that's what I really try to make the kids understand that we're still, I mean, we're definitely a family (laughs) and there's still things that have to be done. Now the difference is there's the same things have to be done, but there's one parent and I'm only one and I can't be at two places at the same time. And I need help around the house and I need their help uh, on that front. So again, it's not something that uh, maybe you used to do. It wasn't, uh, I would say it wasn't something I was used to with them. I mean, they knew that they had to do uh, what they had to do and some other chores and also, uh, you know, homework and schooling has always been, has always been very important. But at the same time, they're cleaning up, you know, when you two sometimes you do it and, and the kids can kind of do a minimum but it's not possible now, <laughs> especially now with the grown kids that I have. They eat quite a lot and they dirty quite a lot. And so it's very easy to become a maid. And that's what I'm trying to avoid and struggling with it still, you know, their kids. So I would be lying saying that, you know, by sitting down and telling them all this, they'll start listening to you just because, you know, they realize that you divorced now and you're a single parent. I wouldn't say that they don't really care, but at the same time, yeah, it's, I, w- I would like if I would say that that changed everything. And now, for example, my kids are doing everything. On the contrary, I mean, they're helping out, but at the same time, it, it's, it's a daily struggle, definitely. So bottom line, what I've been trying to say, and I think the way I see it is both parents should try to be a fun parent and a strict parent too at the same time. And like I said, I don't think there's much of a choice if you want all this to succeed. But I think both parents are perfectly capable of playing both roles. And on my side, I think the key is really to involve the kids. I mean, my kids are obviously a bit older and you might be in a situation where you have younger kids, which is more difficult to do and to communicate or even have them do, you know, I mean, you can ask a two-year-old to help with dishes. You could, but... That might be another problem. So I understand that it's different with uh, younger kids, but I think there's a way to make them still understand that we're all in it together and that we're all in it to make it succeed. And even younger kids can help on their own way, right? You can have younger kids that just pick up their toys around the house. So to make them kind of aware that you 
welcome their help. And not only you welcome it, but that help is necessary so that they grow up knowing that they should be helping out and realizing that as a single parent, you need some help. And it's always nice to get help from your kids. And also to make them understand and, and learn, even when they're younger, that maybe you were the fun dad and always having fun with them and bringing them out and do things. But I think the key is really to make them understand that that will still be the case. But at the same time, there's things that need to be done. And you also uh, have to make sure that things get done. And one last point, I guess, on all this too, and I think something that's very important, whatever you decide to do, obviously you're the parent, but I think one thing that a lot of the parents do is to kind of judge the other parent and judge the way they are and what they do on their side. And that, again, that might be something not too healthy to do because you look at the other side and it's like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this and that. And all oh, this parents is always doing that and buying things for their kids. And, and I know that it's hard to do. And especially uh, when you see the other parents that are kind of spoiling the kids while you're trying to work hard at making things happen and keeping the order at home <laughs> and, and having things to be done. So I know it might be difficult to do, but at the same time, I think both parents have the opportunity to do it their own way. And they, have, they each have their thoughts on what's the best for their kids. And as long as the kids are safe, I think that's at the end of the day what counts. It's easy to judge. And it's easy to be mad at what's happening on the other side. But at the same time, like I said, if the kids are happy, I guess that's what counts. And yeah, the key is communication. If there is communication and good communication, but that's not always the case. So at the end of the day, if you just keep basically looking at what's happening on the other side and getting mad and getting frustrated, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help you, it doesn't help your kids, and it doesn't help anybody. I think sometimes you kind of have to let it go unless it becomes something really big and you can have a discussion. But I guess as long as everybody's happy, that's what counts. At least that's what I think. So I think that will be it for this week. Thank you again for joining me. And as I always say, if you have any comments on what we talked about, if you agree or completely disagree, please feel free to send me an email at thedivorcedaddiaries at gmail.com and I'll be more than happy to reply and even have a chat. You can also, if you want to reach me, please go on my website, www.thedivorcedaddiaries.com. You can find pretty much everything there, every way possible to reach me. You can send me an email. You can go on my Instagram at divorcedaddiaries, or you can go on my Facebook page as well. I can be reached pretty much everywhere. So please don't hesitate to do so for just a question, just to say hi. It will be my pleasure to answer back. If you guys feel like having a little bit of merch, I posted the picture of what I got on Instagram. I would be more than happy to share the wealth with you guys <laughs> and send you a little something by mail. So you just have to drop me a, an email with your, your address. And uh, again, if you have any suggestion of topics or things that you like or things you like to hear, please feel free to send that by email as well. So that said, I hope you have a wonderful week and stay safe and have a bit of fun. Be the fun parent this week, maybe. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye-bye.